today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Apparently, they did pretty good. I'd say very good, actually. So much so that Jesus would commend them for all that they had done but. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You do? Yeah. What? That you have, keyword left, your first love. Not lost. Left your first love. As a believer and as a church body, it's pretty easy to get swept up in the tasks associated with being a Christian. Jesus does appreciate all you do in his name, but as Pastor J.D. teaches today, he'd rather have time with you and be in relationship with you than only getting your acts of service. So don't forget your first love. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Song of Songs, chapter 6, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. He loves me so much, there is no way you'll ever, this side of heaven, be able to grasp the infinite love that He has for you. You cannot, I cannot, why? Because we are finite, He is infinite. And it would be like trying to contain the entire volume of the oceans on the planet into a finite cup of water. It cannot happen. That's the love that He has for you. I mean, if you just let that sink in (laughs) and allow the Holy Spirit to minister that to you, I think it will change everything for you in your relationship with Him. Verse 4, Oh my love, You are as beautiful as Thirza, lovely as Jerusalem, awesome as an army with banners. Turn your eyes away from me. I can't can't take it, for they have overcome me. I'm just overcome. I just, uh, they're so captivating. Your hair, now this is going to sound familiar for good, good reason. We saw this earlier. Your hair. (laughs) I'm sorry for laughing. It's like a flock of goats going down from Gilead. Now, for those of you who were here, I think it was chapter 4, it might have been chapter 5, chapter 4, I think. Think of it like this. In Israel, the, the hills and the goats, and just flowing down, beautiful, the black hair, long flowing black hair. So just make sure you qualify that, guys, if you ever tell your wives that her hair looks like a flock of goats. She may not receive it initially. (laughs) Verse 6, it gets better. We talked about this one too. Your teeth. What about my teeth? They are like a flock of sheep. What? (laughs) Which have come up from the washing. In other words, they're white. And then everyone bears twins and none is barren among them. In other words, you don't have any teeth missing. Isn't that nice? Thank you, honey, so much for that. Like a piece of pomegranate are your temples behind your veil. Wow. So after returning to him, you would think that there might even just be a 
a corrective word of, oh, now you want to come back to me. Where were you the other day when I was knocking on the door? Apparently you couldn't get up out of bed. You'd already washed your feet. You didn't want to get them dirty. That's fine. Oh, so now you want to, come on, is this not a, well, we need to talk about it, don't we? Because we do this in marriage, right? It's called the silent treatment. Oh, come on. Yeah, okay, so, and, and sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll punish them for like days. Teach them a lesson. Oh, no. I mean, he just gushes forth with nothing but loving words of affection towards her. I don't know, husbands. This should search our hearts, right? With how we treat our wives. And oh, by the way, Let's talk about this for just a moment. He's telling her how much he loves her again. Point. Our wives, husbands, can never hear it enough. Reminds me of that quip where the wife asks her husband, do you still love me? To which he responds, Come on, I, I told you when we got married on our wedding day, I love you. That should have been good enough. You know, we laugh, but I just wonder. Our wives, guys, can never hear this enough. How much you love them. It's the three A's. We've talked about this before. I suppose it would be appropriate to mention it again here. Affection, attention, and affirmation. Without which your wives, husbands, will not survive, let alone thrive. They have to have attention, affection, lots of affection. No such thing as too much affection. Your your wife's never going to say, stop, that's enough, that's good. No, no such thing. Attention, affection, and affirmation. Verse 8, now he continues, and it's going to get a little bit gnarly here. I'm going to use that word gnarly. There are 60 queens and 80 concubines. There is? There's not just another woman. There's 80? (laughs) And 60? Let's see, what is that, 140? 120? Something like that. And virgins without number. Well, I guess you can't count them. There's so many. We were doing good up till verse 8, right? Now it's kind of like, what? But then he says this, verse 9, My dove, my perfect one, is the only one. (laughs) Good save. Talk about a good save. That was a good save. The only one of her mother the favorite of the one who bore her. The daughters saw her and called her blessed. The queens and the concubines, and they praised her. Uh, Interesting side note, parenthetically, let me just say that you know how it is that you will pass on 
to someone what somebody else said about them? Did you hear what they said about you? No. Oh, they, they said, rah, and you're like, oh. What is it about us that makes us so quick to tell somebody when people are talking stink about them? Suggestion? Why aren't we as quick to share with someone what somebody said nice about them? Oh, they did? Yeah, you know what they said about you? No, what? No, they said, you're so godly and humble and, well, they got the wrong guy if they said humble, but <laughs> that's another topic for another time. It's always dangerous and with humility, because if, if you think you're humble, then you become proud of your humility, and you blow it. And then when you, <laughs> you're humble about your pride, and you're proud of your humility, it's a no-win deal. But they said that about me? Yeah. I mean, I'm good for a month at least, just on that one thing. And, and here's the thing, think, think about this. You hear somebody talk stink about you, you'll never look at them the same way again. In fact, here's what happens. Oh, they said that about me? Well, let me tell you about them, right? Oh, they don't like me? Well, I don't like them either. And for the rest of the time, when you see them, you will always see them that way. Now let's flip it around. Somebody says something nice about you, and then you see them the next time. Hey, brother, sister, I love you, man. <laughs> wow. Verse 10. Who is she who looks forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun? And then he says it again, awesome as an army with banners. Here's what he's saying. And again, husbands, this is a applicable lesson from the text to be applied in our marriages. He is telling her, that he, that she is the most important person in his life. And here's the thing, our wives, guys, need to be secure in the belief that they are more important to us as their husbands than anything or anyone else. And if they are secure like that, you're a happy man. You're a happy, happy man. Because if they're threatened or insecure in that way, and your job is more important to them, that's a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for disaster. That's catastrophic in a marriage. And, and that's the reason why, by the way, guys, that she's threatened by everything you do. When you, you want to go out, you know, boys not out, which I don't... <laughs> I'm just going to use that for purpose of illustration. That is not a good thing. <laughs> boys, it never ends well, okay? Now, men's Bible study, yes. Boys night out, no. 
But even the ministry, in fact, we're going to be talking about that here in a moment. But sometimes even a noble thing, a God thing, a good thing, can be a threat to her if she's not secure. If she knows that you're, that she's the most important person in your life, she's so secure, you're free. Because she's not threatened. You can go to the men's Bible study, you can lead the men's Bible study. You can go do whatever you do because she's secure, knowing that she's the most important person. He has eyes for no other. And all of these others, they don't even come close. They don't even compare, not even on the same scale to be compared. Without number, all of them, psh, not even close. Oh, oh my goodness. That's, you're, you're speaking her language because that's how God wired her. That's how God made her. And when she's secure like that, phew, man. You, oh, you're gonna you're gonna go golfing? I love you, honey. I love you. I, I I washed your you know golf clothes. Here's your golf shoes. If she's not secure, you're going golfing again. You don't want to be with me. <laughs> See, if she's secure. She knows that you want nothing more than to be with her. And because she knows that, and she's secure in that, you can go golf as much as you want. Because I know, baby. <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I think you get the point, right? Tell me you do, so we can move on. Verse 11. This is fun. I went down to the Garden of Nuts. Some suggest you went to church full of nuts. Well, <laughs> to see the verdure, the lush green vegetation of the valley, to see whether the vine had budded and the pomegranates had bloomed. Before I was even aware, my soul had made me as the chariots of my noble people. Oh. Well, they're reunited now. And isn't it interesting, she's come back to him. And it seems that possibly he sent for her. Now this is important, stay with me. He may have even sent her his royal chariot to bring her back to him. Why is that important? Because God will always create an environment in our Christian lives that is conducive to us drawing near to Him. He'll orchestrate the circumstances, He'll choreograph the steps to nudge us, lead us, guide us back to Him, because that's His will. And make no mistake about it, He wants us to be with Him. He loves us so much. And he misses us. You ever thought of it like that? I know that sometimes gets a little bit weird for some of us. But you have to understand that the love that Jesus has for us is incomprehensible. It is unfathomable. He loves us so much. 
And He wants us with Him to come to Him and certainly back to Him. Verse 13, last verse. Return, return, O Shulamite. By the way, first time we have this mention of Shulamite. Speaking of the woman. Hang on to that. I want to come back to that in a moment. It's going to be germane to our understanding. Return, return, O Shulamite. Return, return, that we may look upon you. What would you see in the Shulamite, as it were, the dance of the two camps? Now admittedly this is very poetic, even maybe in some ways cryptic, and I have to confess that it's a little bit of an enigma to me. I spent some time asking the Lord to kind of open this up to my understanding, because I know it's here for a reason. There must be some reason that we have this particular verse here in this song. So here's a thought. This is an expression of total completion and reconciliation. And here's how I get there. They've reunited. She's come back to him. And oh, the glory that ensues, because now I'm satiated. I'm completed. Here's a thought. Solomon is the masculine of Shulamite, which is the feminine. Example, Don, masculine, Donna, feminine. Say with me. So for this reference, and we really don't know who's saying this. It could be the daughters of Jerusalem. It, I suppose, could also be the husband saying this to her, but that's not really the point here. It's not who said it, it's what's said and why it's said. Why it's said is because she's returned. She's come back to him, and alas, I am complete. Shulamite, Solomon, masculine, feminine, two, no longer two, but one, complete. The union is complete. The reunion, if you prefer, is complete. Well, this is the takeaway, as I mentioned at the beginning. This is what awaits us if we would but return to our first love. Again, the implication is that we can leave our first love. And if you're thinking about Revelation chapter 2 and the letter to the first church in Ephesus, that's good because we're going to read that letter. Verses 1 through 7. The first of the seven churches. As I read this, follow along, and I want you to notice seven, the number of completion, Seven times the Lord commends this church. He commends them seven, the number of completion times. 
To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. That's very interesting, by the way. And have found them liars. He's commending them for that. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Wow. Oh, this is the church in Ephesus. Uh, It's believed that this letter that Jesus had John write and send to this church was about 35 years after the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the church of Ephesus. We have recorded in our Bibles as the book of Ephesians. So 35 years has gone by, and apparently they did pretty good. I'd say very good, actually. So much so that Jesus would commend them for all that they had done. But, verse 4, nevertheless, I have this against you. You do? Yeah. What? That you have, keyword left, your first love. Not lost, left your first love. Verse 5, here's what you need to do about it. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, what worked at first, as you did at first with your first love. Or else, Ooh, there's an or else, yeah. I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have. Now he's going to commend them again. That you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now there's some debate about what the deeds of these so-called Nicolaitans was. One has suggested that they taught that you could do anything you wanted with your body. It, It was really only the soul that mattered. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as we learn from Song of Songs together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that love is a gift. It's meant to be passionate, and it's meant to help us grow more in love with the Lord. We encourage you to read through Song of Songs to see the parallels in the relationship depicted and the love that God has for you. Though it may feel uncomfortable at first, love is not something to be embarrassed by. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Maybe as you've been listening today, you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible and maybe you even attend a church. But 
Have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're ever in the Kaneohe area, we would love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.